Hello, everyone, and welcome to an extra special edition of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. As we are a few days away from the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view or PLE going down live from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And we are on that road to WrestleMania, but also we are on that road to a possible bet being manifested by either myself or my co-captain, my right-hand man, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner, the wise man himself, and for right now, currently scared Scott Young because our Lakers and Warriors are playing in real time as we record the show, and the Lakers are leading by three. My Warriors are down. It's not over, but, oh, Lord, they just scored, and it's 103 to 98, and my fears are now also manifesting into being scared as well. But for right now... He should be scared. Or should I be scared? I don't know. But I bring to you nonetheless, scared for now, Scott Young. Hello, scared or perky, perhaps, maybe. What's going on, Keela? As always, it's it's still a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you as of right now. As of with four minutes left in this game. It's still a pleasure. You know, we're you and me, we we still ride or die right now. You feel me? I I got your you saw the way Jimmy and Jay embrace. I got you for right now. I, I'm gonna holler at you in about 15 minutes and let you know how that's going. But for right now, you my you my ace. Oh my god! For the next four minutes and 20 seconds, as we are fighting it out, may the best co-captain win. But we also have someone else on this show today to witness what could be a fracture of a long-standing friendship and partnership on this very show to watch mm. this self-destruction <laughs> unfold in real time. I bring to you a proud member of the Feige Media family hosting various shows on the network. And he's here twice this month to bask in all of WWE glory and our misery, perhaps. I bring to you once again, Jeremy Finestone. Welcome back, Jeremy, to our hell for the next four minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> uh, all WWE all the time right now. Uh, before the end of this game, I just want to, I just want to make this heartfelt plea mm-hmm. to both of you. Are you ready? ready. I acknowledge both of you. <laughs> I acknowledge both of you. Let that sink in. And so whatever happens, I do. I acknowledge both of you. There it is. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. But let's talk about the week that was in WWE. A very busy week in WWE as we are on that road to WrestleMania and the Elimination Chamber going down this Saturday in Montreal, Quebec, which promises to be a very hot and emotional show. But let's talk about one of my favorite things for Monday Night Raw this past Monday involving one Brock Lesnar coming out to talk about a guy he cannot keep out of his head for reasons. And that person is Bobby Who. Bobby Lashley, because Bobby who Bobby Lashley eliminated Brock Lesnar from the Royal Rumble a couple of weeks ago. And Brock Lesnar is still very salty about it. If he goes hunting, he thinks about Bobby who Bobby Lashley. He goes ice fishing and all he could think about is Bobby who Bobby Lashley. Brock Lesnar sitting at his table eating a big old piece of steak, cutting it up, probably got some potatoes on the side and gravy, but it's Bobby who? Bobby Lashley, he's thinking about. When Brock Lesnar is in bed with his wife, 
And then the crowd was like, whoa, wait a minute. Pause, time out. And then Brock, ever the comedian, catches himself after four or five hours, by the way. It's Bobby who? Bobby Lashley on my mind. And in this $5 denim jacket, I have a million dollar contract in hand. And I want to face Bobby Lashley one-on-one, one more time at the Elimination Chamber. And Bobby Lashley comes out and he lets him know, listen, we're pretty split in this series. I won, you won, I beat you down after you beat me the last time that I eliminated you from the Warrior Rumble. So now the ball is in my court. So let me talk to my agent my manager, my lawyer, to look over the contract and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. So Bobby Lashley proceeds to rebuff Brock Lesnar, but Brock turns around and he is going to deliver not one, but two F5s to Bobby Lashley. This crowd was very thirsty for two F5s and Brock Lesnar gave the people what they wanted. Now, this segment was highly entertaining. I love me some cowboy Brock Lesnar and I adore Bobby Lashley as well. But I have one question for Scott and eventually Jeremy as well. For Scott, who am I supposed to root for in this feud? Who is the babyface and who is the heel? Because I love Brock. He's very jovial, but he's got smoke for Bobby all day. And meanwhile, Bobby Lashley is trying to lawyer up and have agents and managers read over his contract. Exactly who am I supposed to support in this feud heading into Elimination Chamber this Saturday? You know, I, and that, that's a good question. I think that kind of is supposed to be the question. Like, you know, who do I go for? Who am I supposed to root for? Brock is right now, he's just a natural baby face. I think we're going to get that answer at Elimination Chamber because I think we not only get the Hurt Business, I think we get them all attacking him and Omos especially coming down and being that difference maker and then taking out Brock. I don't even think we get the match because I think they saved that for WrestleMania, Brock versus Lashley. You know, Brock's got to tear through all of the Hurt Business. The visual of him F5ing Omos or at least suplexing him is, you know, kind of where I think this is going. So, you know, I, I think we're going to eventually find out that you know, with Lashley going through the lawyers and stuff. That's such a uh, a top, that's such a heel. That's what MVP did when he first debuted. That was his whole gimmick. You know, he was taking on these trash people. He was telling me, you got to talk to my people if you want to get me for a match, you know, and all this. So it's absolutely, this is Lashley turning into the heel before they reform that hurt business. Because you don't want to give away this match at Elimination Chamber and then burn through another one at WrestleMania. I want the last match to mean something so I can see this match never happening, have the hurt business reunited officially, get the band back together, and then Bobby can be a heel definitively against Brock Lesnar heading into WrestleMania. I love that idea. But Jeremy, who are you rooting for in this situation up until Elimination Chamber, we might have a clearer answer as to who is truly the face and heel in this feud. You know, I've been, uh, I've been looking at this feud. I, I get the distinct impression that the audience is supposed to think that Brock should be beating Bobby Lashley, but really hasn't gotten the best of him, and it's all about the chase of Brock getting that win over Bobby Lashley. And I'm with you guys. I I think this is a kind of a juke and move kind of match. Uh, that is going to get kind of uh, strung along until Mania, which, well, I guess that kind of makes it a Montreal Screwjob scenario in some way, shape, or form. Uh, do they go that route? Do they do they lean into it? Do they not lean into it? That's, uh, that's one thing to keep in mind if we're going into Elimination Chamber. But um, this is a fine feud. You know, like two big hosses. Bobby Lashley is, is looking like a bigger star coming out of this feud. 
Uh, it is unconventional the way Brock was doing the Bobby Who promo, but you know he did it as a joke, like the beginning of the feud. And now when he says Bobby Who, it's because he can't get Bobby Lashley out of his brain. So have they accomplished the goal of getting Bobby Lashley over more as a result of the feud with Brock Lesnar? Yeah, they, they have. And, you know, Bobby Lashley is the heel, Brock Lesnar is the face. I like the dynamic. Uh, I think that the Elimination Chamber is, again, a feint. And we're going to get the blow off with the Hurt Business and the whole deal. Brock Lesnar, F5-ing tongue people. Current situation is not looking very good right now. And I'm sure Scott's is elevated from scared to optimistic. Scott Young. There's there's still time left. I know who I'm playing. I'm going to say quiet until the end of this game. All right. (sighs) Breathing right now. (laughs) 51.4 seconds to go. Okay. You know, the levels of you trying it as a troll on this show right now. I appreciate you and your efforts to lighten the mood. This is a very tense situation. As we segue to, speaking of which, the Hurt Business. (laughs) You know, me and these friends. You know, it's an art form, really. But, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. It's very fitting, especially tonight. So what I love about Monday Night Raw these days is that backstage segments have hidden meanings and you really have to pay attention to stuff. So a lot of the time there are side conversations going on when there is a main conversation happening in front of you. And we have MVP talking to Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin prior to their match against the Afro Academy. And this match was surprisingly Good. I love the action. I loved how Chad Gable countered the neuralizer into a German suplex. Then Shelter Benjamin rolled back the clock a little bit, delivered some knee strikes to Otis, and then lifted up Dude for a Samoan drop. And from there, eventually, Cedric lands the neuralizer and the lumbar check on Chad Gable to win the match for his team. So for the first time in a very long time, Shelton and Cedric have won a match as a tag team. MVP takes credit. And it appears, Jeremy, that the Hurt Business is one step closer to being a thing again. And thank God for that because they never should have broken up in the first place. Nope. Vince McMahon was wrong to make that call in the first place. And uh, not the only time he was wrong in making a decision about something. But let's, you know, let that leave it as it may. It's also really interesting if you think about it. There was a segment with Baron Corbin and JBL where uh, Baron Corbin basically got buried 12 feet under the ground by JBL on on our television screen before our very eyes to basically the shock and awe of everybody watching currently. But that may not even have been the most important thing happening on that screen at the time because, like you said, the -the behind-the-scenes bit, that if you look beyond their conversation, you saw MVP talking to Benjamin and uh, uh, Cedric, sorry, and it just felt like they were laying groundwork for something that was going to be paying off relatively soon. So... I know people are looking at the idea of the Hurt Business versus the Bloodline, the Hurt Business versus, you know, all these stables that are possibilities like Legato Del Fantasma. Bring it all on. 
You know, let's get some faction warfare going on. Let's get these groups of people going because that's the next iteration. I love the factions in WWE. Could you bring some trios championships along the way? You never know. I just love the idea of all of these factions and groups being in WWE, stirring up trouble and really adding to the television shows at the exact same time as the Warriors are down by four with 17.5 seconds to go. And I'm sure Scott is slowly becoming perky on this show as we dive into this Hurt Business discussion. And I might be hurting by the time this segment's over, by the way. You know, you do. You all, you both bring up a good point about uh, factions and groups and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> the, especially when you have a group that works, that elevates everyone involved and makes everyone seem more important. The Hurt Business was one of those groups that carried WWE and literally, literally carried WWE. Very similar, uh, you know, to what LeBron's been doing all year, even though he's on the bench right now. But I guess they didn't need him tonight. Um, but what I'm saying is, you know, they carried the entire WWE, especially Raw, on their backs during the COVID period. You know, during uh, the Thunderdome era, they carried them. And for them to break them up just because Vince had his own idea, just it doesn't make sense. So I'm, I'm hoping this is the beginning of something new, um, you know, and uh, we start a good thing with the Hurt Business. I'm in a really good mood right now. I feel you know, good. I, his mood went from terrified to slightly optimistic to bolsterous now. He's very happy that he's about to possibly win this bet. <laughs> And the thing I would have to do, because I, I cannot even fathom this. So let's just count down the seconds. We're going to watch in real time. We're down to 10 seconds here. Oh, God. Okay. This is very stressful. Let me, let me ask you all this, though, while we, while we do that. Sure. About, the, about the Hurt Business, you know, sticking with that. Is, is Brock versus Omos, is that an intriguing match? Is that like a oh, raw man, match totally. to to get mm-hmm. to, to Bobby. No. Because I just feel like that visual of him hitting the F5 on Omos is really you impressive get, not to do. You you don't get anything from that because, like, where do you go with Omos afterwards? He just got jobbed out to Brock. That's always going to be on people's minds. You know, like, you want to keep him almost away from Brock and, you know, like, tease the, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you, Brock, and then it's like the MVP holding him up. No, 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 we'll wait that time. If you, you do it down the line, but if you if you're defeating Omos to to Brock now for for Bobby later when you know like the Bobby thing's already gonna happen, I don't know. It just I can see why they would want to do it. It just feels incredibly short sighted. Okay, just wanted your wanted y'all's take on Omos and where he fits into this whole thing. I mean. Keyleth probably speechless right now, so I get why she's not contributing to this conversation. First of all, well, first of all, Keyleth's contributing as much to this conversation as Anthony Davis did to the game. I can tell you that she's okay. doing more than he did. Oh man, she's just trying to get the her computer to to cool down with you all know, the smoke that's coming from it. I am going to be okay. <laughs> Shout out to The Miz. You know, um, The Miz, what did he do on Monday exactly? Nothing. He wasn't even on the show. So, like, I don't know why you shouting him out, but I know why you deliberately 
added this fantasy matchup from hell regarding Brock Lesnar and Omos because you wanted to kill 15 seconds of television time to make sure I saw the end of this game as the Lakers beat the Warriors. And I have therefore... Insidious planning. What an accusation. Factual accusations because I know my co-captain very well. He stalled. He stalled for a good minute to get me to this point to say congratulations to your Lakers. Anthony Davis did the bare minimum for your team tonight. And I will take this L with honor. I will take it. I'll accept it. And for how long is this bet, by the way? How, how long do we have to do this? God damn it. No, 24 hours. <laughs> no, 24 hours. <laughs> No, 24 no? hours. Oh, I, I thought of a week. What? My bad. Did Hell I just no. throw that out there? I heard, I heard a week, too. 20, 24 hours. I heard a week, too. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Yes. Let me ask you this. We'll get back to WWE in a second. Has LeBron – Scott, have you had a better week with LeBron James other than becoming the all-time point-scoring leader and leading the charge towards a bet – with Kila about your Twitter avatars in which he did not even play a second in this game. You know, there's only one time and, and shout out to our boss for this one actually coming up. Um, it was when LeBron James won game seven against the Warriors wow. in the finals for the you championship. Burn it all down. Don't you shout out to Gigi. I'm feeling real good right now. Real good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I'm happy for you. Because I honestly have no horses in this race. Uh, like, I, I could take it or leave it with the Lakers or the Warriors. So, you know, you, you, you take the L more, more than your fair share in a lot of scenarios when it comes to this. So, you getting your big win before WrestleMania, it feels like it, it, it's that time. It feels like momentum swinging your way, Scott. Young. I'm, I'm going to tell you what that, this feels I'm like. I'm going to tell you what this feels like. I feel like I'm getting my Zack Ryder moment, like when he won the Intercontinental title Ooh, at WrestleMania, yes. Yes. and then he lost it the month, that very next night on Monday Night Raw. I feel like that's what's coming. I don't know when, but I feel like that's coming in some way, shape, you or form. You mean when he lost it the next night to the Miz? To the Miz! <laughs> oh, I, I just want to know. I just want to know. Are you gonna, do, you have, do you have creative control over which Miz picture? Yes. That, now that I do. Is it going to be WrestleMania 28 or WrestleMania 27 victory move? I I sent a couple of tequila. Uh, There's going to be a recent one of his latest WWE title win, just to reiterate that he's, I mean, he was just champion a couple of years ago, just to make sure people know, you know, he's still doing his thing. Um, I might throw George on there a couple of times. It's all Miz related, you know? Um, Definitely got to do Miz and and, and uh, the big blow up uh, the blow up dolls he had for his name the big balloons, um, uh, maybe penning maybe penning John Cena, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who knows? Side by side with the Rock or something? Maybe in the maybe in the same frame with the Rock? You know the big star that the Miz is. Maybe I'll find a couple people Kila likes. Find Miz pinning him, pinning them. You know stuff like that. I would do this for Scott and for Scott only. Because he's my co-captain, wow! And I do like him, and that's you. You seem, you seem a little broken. I would just say, everyone tries to make this personal, but nothing about this is personal. 
Maybe we could talk about something else that wasn't personal as uh, you get past this moment. Because I would try to channel my best Cody Luther King. Okay. I have to try to get my thespian on because we got to talk about the best damn thing for Monday Night Raw, which happened to be Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman delivering a masterclass in promos as they told a beautiful story weaving into the heart of WrestleMania season. Because Cody says, don't forget about me. I won the Warrior Rumble a couple of weeks ago and I pushed my ticket to WrestleMania. But I'm going to put some respect on Sami Zayn's name because he's also on that road to WrestleMania. Also has a chance to beat Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at Elimination Chamber, I could face Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. So may the best man win. And Paul Heyman comes out to congratulate Cody on winning the Royal Rumble, giving him his props and love and respect. And then Cody turns the tables on Paul Heyman by telling a story about the American dream, the late, great Dusty Rhodes, Cody's father. And about 20 plus years ago, the Rhodes family had gone broke. $100 in a Wachovia bank account was truly hard times for the Rhodes family. So Paul Heyman got one of this because Dusty was selling cars in order to keep his car at the time. And Paul Heyman had ECW at the time and Steve Carino was running a feud and he wanted Dusty to appear on TV, talk some smack, make some money. And Paul Heyman, who's not known for, you know, the checks clearing in this case, the check cleared for Dusty Rhodes and Cody thanked Paul for giving his dad his confidence back, the belief he still mattered, it can still contribute to the professional wrestling business. And from one disruptor of ECW to another with AEW, he thanks Paul Heyman for everything he's done. And Paul Heyman was legitimately surprised by this turn of events. He was very emotional. He noted that Cody got him good. He did not expect that because he loved that he loved Dusty very much. He respected Cody's father. And once again, he says, this is about you, Cody. This is your story. This is your path to WrestleMania to do something no member of your family has ever done that is headline WrestleMania and compete for the biggest prize in this business, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. That's a lot of pressure on you. Will you wilt? Will you break? Will you crumble? That is the question. Because your father has trained and prepped some of the greatest of this generation right down the road at the WWE PC in Orlando. Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Bailey, Kevin Owens, and most importantly, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. He trained and prepped for this moment, but he never trained or prepped you because maybe he didn't want you living under his shadow. Maybe he wanted you to be your own man, make your own way. And I loved your father. I truly did. And he talked to me one last time before he passed. And the last thing he said to me was that, Cody, you were his favorite son. And everybody says, oh, I'm sure Dustin Rose is at home like, really? Okay, cool. And then Paul delivers a dagger saying, but Roman Reigns was the son he wished he had. And Cody's face went ghost for a second. The, the crowd went, ooh, at that line. And Cody, close space with Paul Heyman. 
and he aggressively shook Paul's hand and he told him, you know what? All I'm trying to do is win a wrestling championship at the biggest show of the year. And everybody's trying to make it personal and you've just made it very personal, Paul. So now I have to do something. I'm coming for your boy, Roman Reigns, and I'm going to take those championships at WrestleMania personally and he drops the mic walks away and i absolutely loved this segment this was phenomenal work by cody rhodes and paul Heyman. they delivered a master class on how to tell a story from start to finish to make you care about this match at wrestlemania because we know that wwe is having this very delicate balance right now of we got Sami Zayn this Saturday at the elimination chamber pay-per-view competing against roman reigns for the universal championship will he win Not likely, but the bigger prize is Cody versus Roman. And now you've made it personal. It is family for family, blood for blood, legacy for legacy. And I dig that. This was a story beautifully told. I'm sold on this matchup and we cannot wait until the official face-to-face confrontation between Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes at a date to be determined, Scott, which I cannot wait for. Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the that first time meeting is going to be special, especially now with the added bonus of what Paul Heyman said, because you know that's something that that's going to be in the back of Cody's mind as he's looking face to face at the guy who Paul Heyman just told him is the son that his father really wanted, and you know Rome is going to play into that. He's going to when he starts cutting a promo on Cody, he's going to say that. So I, I like the way they set it up and. I like the fact that Cody mentioned Sammy. Sammy ends up mentioning Cody later on. So I like that they're acknowledging all the bases here. And this was a great promo just on both sides. And I mean, for my money, it's the best segment I've seen so far this year. And I know the year just started, but that's going to be a tough one the to top just because Cody, for better or for worse, and, you know, it's it's fresh right now in WWE. It hasn't run its course like it did in AEW, but – Cody's promo, promo segments feel different. They feel more important than everything else on the card right now, besides Roman and the Bloodline stuff. So he has that going for him. And it's the real key is going to be after this whole program with Roman ends, is he still going to have that? Is he still going to have that magic going for him? But as of right now, he can really do no wrong. I mean, anybody else in this spot would be booed out the building with Sammy. And Cody's got the juice right now. He is moving tickets for WWE, broke a couple of records for house shows this past weekend in Columbus, Georgia, and I believe in Pensacola, Florida as well. So Cody is a merchandise mover. He is a ratings draw. He is a guy that can sell tickets. And he sold me on this feud very easily on Monday Night Raw. His talent in that regard is really unmatched. And I cannot wait until Roman and Cody go off on the mic. That is going to be a moment to build to what should be a very good match at WrestleMania in a few weeks' time as we're inching closer to the biggest show of the year, Jeremy. But your thoughts on this segment that kicked off the third hour of Raw, which was, by the way, which is a rarity, the highest-rated segment of the show, dare I say? Or was it Bobby or Brock? I don't know for sure. It was this one. Okay. It was this. This blew blew everything out of the water in terms of the watchability. Um, This is your WrestleMania main event, and it's not close. They, okay, so 
by the time this show drops, there'll have been a, a YouTube show called The Road uh, that is from Fight Game Media. And Garrick Gonzalez, myself, and uh, Paul Fontaine were on this week. And we were talking about Paul Heyman, basically Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, having their fingers in the uh, the top two feuds that uh, are going on with Roman Reigns, the Cody Rogue and the Sami Zayn. And they had to do this segment because of the momentum of the Sami Zayn angle. Uh, they didn't want to do this now, but they had to acknowledge, you know, the success of that angle. And, and they did this to really get Cody over. And by God, they got him over. He got himself over. Everybody got over. Everything felt like such a huge deal from this confrontation that Roman Reigns wasn't even around for. Just, it was just really tremendous stuff. And I, when was the last time that you could look at WWE and say they were hamstrung because two of their top angles were too successful and they were competing with each other from the same guy? That has not happened in a long time. And, uh, you know, the one of the other conversations was like, well, if it's not Triple H is the booker down the line, is Paul Heyman the guy? That is a very good question. Yeah. But I dug it. I loved it. This was a way to definitely get Cody heated and hot for WrestleMania. This was a genius angle to make sure, hey, I'm here too. Don't forget about me. And this is the rare balance of striking things rather hot. Two guys and Cody and Sami Zayn who are very over, who are ratings draws legitimately, concurrently against Roman Reigns, two hot storylines heading into WrestleMania season. And it's not boring. It's not a stopgap. These are actual feuds that matter, that have consequences heading into WrestleMania. And I love that for WWE storytelling. What a concept to tell a story or stories, months in the making. And for all of it to make sense, we have not had that in a very long time. And we love to see it as we transition to the main event angle of Monday Night Raw involving Becky Lynch and Bailey in a steel cage match, which was supposed to happen at Raw 30 a few weeks ago, but they were cut for time due to the bloodline tribal court segment running very long. And we get the return of this match. And I am over this feud between Becky and Bailey, but the work in this match was good as Becky was delivering some shots to Bailey in the cage, slamming her into the cage at various points. Bailey does fight back with an elbow drop, with the belly to belly off the ropes for a near fall. And as both ladies are climbing the cage, jockeying for position, we have Becky lock in the disarmor. But thanks to an assist from Dakota Kai and Eo Sky at ringside, with Eo scaling the cage to break up that attempt, we have someone come out. After Dakota Kai slips her crutch to Bailey, it's Lita. The fans in Orlando go crazy. Lita runs down to the ringside area. She takes out EO Sky with a twist of fate. Very nice bump by EO, by the way. And then she slams the door in Bailey's face. And then Becky delivers the manhandle slam on Bailey to win this match. And it's a celebration between Becky and Lita, who was looking very good on Monday, very thick, dare I say, to wrap up the show. And I don't know if it's a runoff, but I would love to see them be attacked, potentially heading into WrestleMania season, because Becky doesn't have a clear path to the biggest show of the year, crazily enough. And to me, that's bizarre. And I go back to the solid match 
Becky and Lita had Elimination Chamber last year in Saudi Arabia and the crowd reception that Lita got at the end of that match was really lovely to see. So I love for her to get some more flowers heading into WrestleMania. If that's indeed the plan, maybe throw in another legend in there for good measure to make me somewhat care about damage control and Becky's never ending feud dating back to SummerSlam 2022 scott you know i and I, i've been seeing you know that trish is going to come back and we can get the six person uh tag match at elimination chamber i you know and i know I, i've been saying it and people think i'm crazy but i just i still see becky and uh bailey teaming up to take on ronda and Shayna for those tag titles i i don't know how we get there but i just i don't know what else you do with Becky Lynch at WrestleMania that means something. Bailey hasn't had a meaningful match at WrestleMania since she won the title in the four way. So it's, I, I just, I, I have to think they have a meaningful story and match for those two. And I can't imagine they stretch Becky against Bailey until WrestleMania. Like I, there's no way you can do that. And you're not going to turn Trish and Lita heel. That would be idiotic. And then have them against like Becky and Bailey. So I don't want to see Nia Jax versus Becky unless you're going to. I mean, I'd be cool with like Piper, but I just, I still think we're getting, I don't know how Becky and Bailey versus Ronda and Shayna. You could, you could have damage control turn on Bailey after she loses another match. Becky comes out, makes the save. Bailey's, you know, sticks her hand out. Becky's like, nah, I'm not cool with you, but I'm, we just wasn't going to let you get beat down. And then, you know, Shayna and Ronda can beat down Becky. Bailey comes out, makes the save. She puts her hand out. Becky's like, nah. They do the whole Ambrose Rollins thing that they did for a while. Then when they finally come together, the crowd will get excited. We get the tag title match. And they can take the titles off of EO and Raquel, I mean, EO and uh, Dakota at any time. I would love to see how Bailey and Becky kumbaya their way out of this because it's been a lot of beef for a long time. It's hard to come back from saying, hey, your husband only married you because he knocked you up. I mean, that's a hell of a way to come back to, can we be tag team partners and go for these titles at WrestleMania? I wonder how they could patch things up, but I'm not opposed to that idea. But Jeremy, your take on the main <laughs> event and Lita's cameo appearance at the end of Monday Night Raw. Uh, teaming up to winning the tag team titles after failing a Bechdel <laughs> test would be something. But uh, who who knows? Like, I, I am not on board with that prediction, but I cannot say that it is not. I cannot say that it is impossible. You know, that that just, like, I would have egg on my face if that ended up happening. I'm just like, yeah, there was a path to that. There is a path to that. I don't see it as a viable path, but there is a path. Um, okay, so... I did a little bit of like digging on this. And to my knowledge, the only mania match that Bailey's ever had was like a five person match, maybe in like 2019 or 2020. Mm-hmm. I think so it was a four way. Was it a four way? She won the belt from Charlotte. That was that Charlotte's first not, loss on a pay-per-view. That no. is not a marquee mania match. And to me, I feel like Bailey being a team player in Triple H's regime, like through the through this entire time, she's hosted Mania, she's missed Mania, she's had that match. She's never had the marquee thing. And I'm wondering if it's Bailey versus Lita just straight up as a uh, as a Mania match because she's never had her singles match. That that to me is just like I can't ignore that maybe it's becky versus uh trish uh 
because they don't have a whole lot of marquee singles matches for the women. Um, it feels like it's going to be Bianca versus Asuka. And that's kind of my guess on that one, but whatever. But they're all the, all the focus is on Rhea Ripley. Like if they're going to be one woman getting the rub in mania this year, it is Rhea and everybody else has kind of been decentralized, de-emphasized. The heat isn't on them. And so we're all trying to figure out all these matches and, there are there are make goods and, and lineups and and combinations that they can make here or there, but none of them really have that kind of heat and stink that the that Rhea's direction is. So, like, it could be tags, it could be a six person, but if I had to guess, I just I feel like Bailey's got a singles match. It's well here. deserved at this point. She's the only one not to have a singles match at WrestleMania as a member of the four horsewomen. And there is a fun stat that's been floating around on social media. Speaking of the women's tag team titles at the last four soul WrestleManias, when there has been a multi-person women's tag team championship match, all of the teams and the champions have not come back at WrestleMania. They've all broken up or were released from the company. That is a sad stat. So hopefully if we do have a women's tag team championship match this year involving Bailey, Becky, any form of damage control, Ronda Rousey or Shayna Baszler, may the teams survive the next WrestleMania because that is a very damning stat by WWE. And quite frankly, it is a shame regarding the lack of care for the teams and the championships yearly for WWE. Listen, I know maybe I'm just on my high horse since the Lakers pulled out a gutsy win. Um, so, you know, that prediction may be a little crazy. But something else I've been floating around is, you know, there was a nice little interaction with Bailey and Roxanne at the Royal Rumble. I'd love for Bailey to challenge Roxanne for that NXT title, <laughs> WrestleMania weekend. Oh, I'd love it. Why not? I mean, no, I, I, I know if you're one of those, it'd be one of those, like, of course, Bailey goes for like what she thinks is low hanging fruit. Yeah, exactly. And then she gets beat by Roxanne. I think it'd be great. And it would elevate Roxanne a lot. And she's Roxanne, somebody else who could, who could really gain a lot from that large exposure right there. I, I'm still leaning towards Bailey getting like a big star match. Like, where she's not elevating somebody else, but, like, she's in a match with somebody as big or a bigger star than her. Like, that's what I just, I'm just coming back to it because she's just, like. If that'll get Thick Lita back on the screen, I'm cool with it. Yeah, Lita versus Bailey. You could do, like, I forgot Becky Lynch and Lita ever had a match. How can you forget they had a match and you were here with us this time last year covering Elimination (laughs) Chamber with us? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I watch a lot of wrestling. Okay, I can forgive you. <laughs> Sometimes this goes in one ear out the other. There was there was points of what I, I was re I was going through because we were watching about seven hours of WWE here, and I'm going through the recap of who beat who and who was in there. Like I legitimately need to rewatch this on YouTube right now before I before I have any hot takes about. I appreciate <laughs> that you are a student of the game, and Scott, I caught that last sentence by you. Because I saw that you liked my comment on Monday regarding <laughs> thick Lita. She was looking thick. Not going to lie. Yeah. 
I don't know where that came from either. I ain't never seen her look like that. And I was a big leader fan back in the day, but I ain't never seen her look like that. She's body positive, my friend. <laughs> she did something. <laughs> she she did something. I ain't never seen her fill out some pants like that. Well, I you laughing, but it's less real. It. So I said he saw it too. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I don't know if you those jeans were jeaning. I don't know if you. Uh... If either of you have seen that comic book panel from the X-Men where one of the characters who is somewhat thick is pulling off a scorpion deathlock on one of the others. And it, it, it reminds me a lot of that. Well, <laughs> that is an accurate depiction. Not going to lie. But yeah, Lita was looking great on Monday. Love that for her. Yeah. And I've been a big fan of Lita for a long time. And yeah, she was thick on Monday. I was very happy for her, by the way. So good to see her back on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Cheddar biscuits, by the way, for Lita. I'm sure Scott would share some as well. Absolutely. She get a meal. <laughs> Looking like that. Okay. <laughs> Let's simmer down as we are approaching that hour as we transition to NXT. Now, I'm going to be real. NXT, you know, we normally like talking about NXT, but I'm going to keep it honest here on the show. Lately, the product as a whole has been flat on Tuesday nights. And it's been all right most weeks. So I'm not excited. I'm not compelled to really talk about it on my own show. And even on here, we've had a lot of big events from the Royal Rumble and the latest NXT PLE, which was very good, but it still lacked that extra spark of we are NXT in a lot of ways. So thankfully... We're going to get this infusion of NXT UK talent back on the main show starting this week. We've got Elio Dragunov back, Miko Sadamore back, Tyler Bates been back the last couple of weeks. And I like this infusion of UK talent that can add so much depth and range to NXT from an in-ring standpoint. So I just want Jeremy's take on the returns of these stars. And he's noted these are ringers heading into Stand and Deliver in LA just in time for WrestleMania weekend for a 10 o'clock a.m. start time on the West Coast. We pray for our West Coast peeps because that's very early to go see a wrestling show following what should be a very long night regarding SmackDown and the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony the night before. In the same building, by the way. Well, I am with you on NXT being a a a tough watch. I I didn't have the heart to watch this on Tuesday, and I watched it on Thursday. And when I'm watching it on Thursday, I believe I reached out to both of you and said, "How come you guys didn't warn me in watching this that this is going to be quite the tough watch?" Hmm. So let's let's go through some of these matches that we had here including Zoe Stark defeating Cole Ruka, less than five minutes. Davocado beating Dante Chen, less than three minutes. Isla Dawn defeating Tatum Paxley in about three minutes, although I will give them credit on this one. I was supremely interested in the X-Men cosplay of Tatum Paxley dressed as Celine, uh, the witch. That was fantastic, especially because she was going up against a gimmicked witch in the match. There was the Carmelo Hayes match. Uh, Carmelo Hayes is delightful, and I hope he wins the NXT title coming up. But he was against J.D. McDonough, which, I'm not going to lie, has increasingly done less and less for me as a wrestler as I've been watching him. However, I will say, as I throw that shade, with his detached retina, I hope that he uh, gets healthy soon. But, you know, when you're going down this list... You just 
exciting. You want, you want, you want more. And now that they got the Vich is clear, you're going to have Gallus as the champion. Pretty deadly around. You got Tyler Bate. A lot of these guys that were doing a lot of work in NXT UK, and I know you both were watching it from time to time, but, you know, NXT, NXT UK was quality pro wrestling. And if they're going to start putting that level of quality in with, some of the NFT recruits and training. It's going to be better for the promotion in general. This show needs a spark. It needs some inspiration heading into Send and Deliver. But Scott, your take on the state of NXT as of late and the infusion of UK talent that should hopefully uplift this show starting this Tuesday. Yeah, I think Jeremy's right as far as the when that UK talent starts fusing with some of these recruits and some of these just raw talent that need to – they need – a different type of experience, not just the PC wrestling. They need to experience different styles, you know, different strengths, different, just different body type, all that different stuff that the UK wrestlers, but like Gallows is all different. Everything about them is different. They feel different. Their matches feel different. They feel like they hit harder. I like their style. So I think it's just going to do nothing but benefit them because like, I think that was the biggest problem with the Grayson Waller and Braun Breaker match, at least for me, it felt, I mean, it just, it felt like two cut, cut and paste guys who were the same guys. One's just bigger, does the basic power moves and one's smaller and does the same move. Like, you know, so I I think this is the influx is going to be very good for them. And we've already seen, I, I know Jeremy, you weren't, you're not a fan of, but I, I love JD. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I, I love the match he had with Carmelo. I thought that was way better than what he had against Apollo Crews on the pay-per-view. I'll give me, give me that two out of three falls instead of what he did, whatever that was with Apollo Crews. But, and I I get what you mean about JD too. And Carmelo's going to take it to another level. We've seen what he can do um, because that wasn't even one of his better matches. So I'm fully expecting him to, at least I hope he wins the title. If he does win the title, then he needs to get called up because it's about time for him and Braun to move on. I think they've done just about all they can do on, on NXT, at least, when it comes to their development, I, I don't see what else you could do with them there. I'm with you. I mean, just Carmelo Hayes could take the title and go to the main roster for a little bit and do a spell there. Yep. All the bets are off with, when it comes to how they do what, where, why, when. He's a special talent, so if they want to make that kind of accommodation with him, might as well. Absolutely. And I think that Scott made a very good point earlier regarding the main event of Vengeance Day last Saturday involving Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller, two guys that are very similar and it's copy and paste. I hate to say that for Braun Breaker, but I think the ceiling has been hit for him on this show and on this brand for that matter. And it's time for him to truly expand his repertoire on the main roster working with different people. Now, anytime he's British strong style with Dragunov or Tyler Bate, you do get to see more range from Blonde Breaker. And I would want to see that for him on the main roster as well. Show me what you can really do beyond the surface level stuff, which is very good. But at this point, it is getting a little bit predictable. And I don't know if it's if it's him or the system. I'm leaning towards a combination of the of the two right now, but I want him to get out of this box that is Orlando, Florida and truly find himself as a true star on the main roster post WrestleMania season. As we move on to one of my favorite aspects of NXT, pretty deadly. This team to me is main roster ready. 
This past Tuesday on the show, we got Elton Prince and his chest hair doing the absolute most alongside Kit Wilson. And they were depressed after losing the fatal four-way for the NXT tag team titles at NXT Vengeance Day. And they sold this by looking completely unkept. They looked disheveled. Their hair was a mess. But they, they still looked really pretty. And I admire that about them. They were ugly pretty, but pretty nonetheless. And they had this match against Chase Hughes, Andre Chase, and Duke Hudson. And the way they wrestled was great. They wrestled like two guys that were just going through the motions in their street clothes. They didn't give a fuck. If things worked, great. If they didn't, they did not care. That's how over they how over this they were regarding the loss at Vengeance Day. But the more they got into the match, they magically gained their confidence back. And they won with some spilt milk thanks to Thea Hale running down to the ring after getting kidnapped by Ava Rain earlier in the show. She runs out, she panics, and do cuts and checks on her. And Andre's chase alone to get hit with Pretty Deadly's finisher for the win. But I just loved how this match was worked specifically for Pretty Deadly because they just told the greatest story of a tag team that was going through it emotionally and they played it perfectly by botching spots on purpose and just going through the motions, but eventually finding their way on the other side with a W to get back on track. And these guys are main roster ready. They are complete as a team, as a gimmick, and they have the potential to really get over on the main roster. But I want Jeremy's thoughts on Pretty Deadly and what they did on Tuesday night, being disheveled, but coming through when it counted most. It kind of felt like their graduation, uh, their graduation exam in a lot of ways. Like, can you tell a full story in a match that has nothing to do with a title? And, you know, they did. They they came out there. Uh, they've had their title run in NXT UK. They came to NXT. They had their title run. Uh, they've had their fugues. You're absolutely right, Keela, that they should be on the main roster. There is an argument to be made that uh, it's either Imperium or Pretty Deadly, in which is the most fully formed and understood gimmick by the wrestlers from the NXT UK brand. Because both of them, both of those acts completely understand what they're supposed to be doing, completely executing it almost beyond perfection. And uh, hard to say which one, which one is better at doing the gimmick that they are assigned to. Imperium is off the charts great, but that's what I mean by pretty deadly being off the charts great too. That is the comparison there. As great as you as much as you believe in Imperium when they're on the screen, I believe everything about Pretty Deadly. I adore them, and I think they are ready for that next step, which is the main roster eventually, because they can be so entertaining and valuable on Raw SmackDown post-WrestleMania season. But Scott, your thoughts on Pretty Deadly's antics on Tuesday, losing a few days earlier, only to kind of go through the motions until they found their way to a victory against Chase U. Yeah, they, they're they're great. They've been great the entire time. They've been a nice uh, jolt of energy to that NXT tag division since they've been there. This was definitely their bum-ass Corbin moment. 
um, right. in all the best ways possible. This was really fun. I, I think whenever they do, I, I'm honestly shocked that their just character work didn't even catch Vince McMahon's eyes to get called up. Like I, I, I it's probably the, for the best that they didn't because who knows, who knows what kind of gimmick he would have put him in. I mean, I'm had, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I know why they Vince McMahon is not interested in that gimmick. Why is that? I mean, he had Billy and Chuck at one point, and he thought that was the level of like, I am hugely. This is good shit, pal. Yeah, that could be it too. But you know, I, again, I just I'm shocked, but I'm I'm glad they didn't. And I also can understand why you don't bring them up to the main roster yet because. Those tag titles aren't going anywhere. You know, those those are staying where they are for the time being until we get to this end of the story. So it makes sense if you don't have a plan for them, if you don't have a full story for them, don't call them up. So I I appreciate that. And when they do call them up, they need to have something ready for them. Like you need to have a plan for them. If, or in, if you want, just put the shot. I, I, they're a good enough team where they can carry and pillar a tag division especially with those the good teams that are in both sides you know you keep a team like braun and ricochet together for a while like you have good teams on both sides you have you lower card teams that you can have teams beat beat and that way you don't have to beat the good teams that's what hit row is right now just a team to get beat and that's what they're exactly what they're used for so i think they're absolutely ready for the main roster after WrestleMania. As we finish our NXT talk with the main event angle involving something that Scott and I discussed openly on this show, that Bailey should pay a trip to NXT. And I saw the news break last weekend that Bailey would in fact be on NXT. And I got in contact with Scott in the middle of the night and said, dude, we were right. Look what happened. Bailey shows up and she's a part <laughs> of this main event segment with Toxic Attractions, Jesse Jane and Gigi Dolan. And they're talking about losing to Roxanne Perez at Vengeance Day. And crazily enough, every time I give constructive criticism to the NXT women's division, they will find a way to tell me I got you. And I kind of went in on the promos recently, especially between Toxic Attraction being very wooden and fake and stiff. And for the last few weeks, I don't know what happened. I don't know if, if a switch has lit up for both of them, but they have been very good promos as of late, especially Jesse Jane. But then on Tuesday, I felt like they kind of slid back into old habits. They kind of felt a little bit forced to me, but the material was still good. And Bailey's trying to maintain the peace. And then we get this little turn at the end of maybe they would want to work together after throwing shade, saying that Jesse's used to being on her back, looking up at the lights, and Gigi once again flopped and failed to win a championship. But they were trying to mend fences at the end of this segment by saying, you know what, we could go after the NXT Women's Tag Team titles again, or we could make our way to the main roster and go after your girls, Damage Control and their tag team titles. And Bailey says, you know, you don't want that smoke. You don't want to do that right now. Just stick to what you're doing right now. Be together on NXT. Let's shake hands, hug it out, and we're good. And we do have this agreement between the two that they're going to be good and solid. But you know a turn was coming. The question was, from who? And the Shawn Michaels of this storyline is Jesse Jane as she delivered a super kick to Gigi Dolan, who is apparently the Marty Janetti of the situation as we redo the barbershop angle mm. from over 30 years ago. And 
Jesse Jane proceeds to beat the shit out of Gigi Dolan. And she posts Gigi on this door. And she kicks her right in the face. Full frontal. It is a gnarly shot. And then Gigi posted on Twitter the next day, her face all bruised up from that shot to the face. It was brutal, <laughs> but thankfully she's okay. As Jesse Jane stands tall to wrap up this main event angle. I liked it. I think that Gigi Dolan has potential to be over as a baby face. Fans do want to cheer for her. So I think she'll be all right. I don't think she'll be the Janetti. In this situation, I think that she'll be a-okay with whatever they do. But I do see a lot of potential in Jesse Jane as someone that can get over as a star. She has grown on me a lot in the last few months when she's not cutting old Tommy promos that got on my nerves a little bit. I would never forgive her for the lollipop guilt shit from The Wizard of Oz. Like, sis, that movie is almost 90 years old. Stop it. But I digress on all of that. So, Scott, I want to ask you a question regarding the angle that closed NXT. Upon first analysis and first thoughts, who do you think has the larger upside regarding a singles run on this show and eventually the main roster? Will it be Jesse Jane or Gigi Dolan? First initial thoughts, I'm going with Gigi. Um I think she's just she's different. She stands out more than JC. I think JC's a, a much better worker as far as in ring, but I just feel like Gigi is just something about her that's that's different, that stands out. She to me, she stood out the whole time in that entire group. Like she just she stands out to me. Um so I think she and the crowd seemed like they were with her. Uh they seemed to be more with her like when they when JC was beating her down. So I think Gigi would be the one who has the the bigger upside. But, you know, I say that, but I still do think JC's a better worker. So, you know, I don't, I don't know who the Janetti is going to be, but I, I, I don't know who the HBK is going to be either to that point. Hmm. I don't disagree whatsoever. So we'll see how it goes. I like Gigi a lot, but I do think that JC has bigger upside as a wrestler. We will see how it goes. Jeremy, your take on who you think could has the more potential to stand out as a single star on this show and beyond. Uh, my, my instinct goes with Gigi Dolan, uh, between the two. I don't know why I just, like I look at the two and I'm like, man, I just, I just think Gigi has the upside long-term and, uh, not to say that JC doesn't just, I don't know the whole, the takeaway. I, it's hard for me to answer this because I thought this whole segment was ass. I did not like it at all. Uh, I am, I, I have enough gray in my beard to remember the original Brutus Barber Beefcake, the barbershop segment with Sean and, and Marty. And this, watching it, I'd have to rewatch it, but I've seen it enough times where this just felt like Sean Michaels in the in the huddle at the football game calling a play. And it's like, hey, we're going to do this one this time. And it it didn't quite fit the scenario because you know like you had you had Vic Joseph and uh Booker T like predicting this was going to happen they're 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 doing everything in your power to tell you this is going to happen tonight uh they made no illusion that it was going to happen and then it happened and you're just supposed to be shocked you're supposed to be like taken aback that what uh, a team named toxic attraction was toxic for itself weird that's odd um just uh, i 
I wasn't, I never got to a point where I was like, I want to sympathize with either one of these people. Even afterwards, it was like, no, you're both kind of terrible. You both deserve to lose. And if you don't like each other, it doesn't mean that I'm suddenly going to sympathize with one of you because the other one turned. You're both awful. You're both bad. They were very obnoxious living into Vengeance Day. Like, who are you supposed to like in this situation? But then again, the fans are partial to both ladies in some way. So they will turn one of them baby face somehow, some way. And I totally get it. Yeah. The material, it wasn't it wasn't the best. The delivery was so-so. They've done better over the last few weeks. I will say that. So they're capable of delivering when it counts most. And hopefully the matches are solid. Hopefully. That's all I can ask for. Because that is a big test for them as a feud against each other heading into Stand and Deliver in a couple of months' time. And I thought the angle was fine. It wasn't bad whatsoever. It was a throwback to something that Sean knows very well about. And he's going to make Gigi hopefully an HBK out of this when it's all said and done. And maybe he can make another one with Jesse Jane. We shall see. But that wraps up NXT. It was a show. It existed. Pretty Deadly was my highlight, and hopefully things get better on Tuesday with Miko Satomura teaming with Roxanne Perez against Caden Carter and Katana Chance. That should be a lot of fun. Ilya Dragunov's back in the house. Tyler Bate against Grayson Waller. Should be a good night of TV on NXT to make me care. Now, Jeremy. Oh. <laughs> he oh, he yes, sounds boy. optimistic now. Things yes, are boy. possibly turning around for this show, heading into Send and Deliver. <laughs> Not quite so toxic now. You're cleaning up the toxic wasteland of this show. Long overdue. As we transition to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, going down live from the Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut. And this was our next to last show before the Elimination Chamber. And we kick things off with the special counsel, the wise man himself, Paul Heyman, cutting a promo on behalf of Roman Reigns, who apparently said, Paul, bring my championships to SmackDown for you to display on your shoulders because I don't need them this particular evening. So Paul talks about how the bloodline is being attacked from all sides on one side, it's Sami Zayn, who's not here tonight, who's trying to take these championships away from Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber, by far the biggest match of Sami Zayn's life. Spoiler alert, that will not happen. Then, on the other side of this attack, is the 2023 Warrior Rumble winner, Cody Rhodes, also gunning for these championships. And he had the nerve to tell me that this wasn't personal, but now it's personal. Well, it's always personal for the bloodline when it comes to the island of relevancy because these championships are the lifeblood of the bloodline. They give us the reason to exist. The air we breathe is through these titles. It's why the Usos are the tag team champions. It's the reason why we're all here. Without these championships, we are truly non-existent as a unit. We don't matter here without these championships. So as he's saying this, we have Sami Zayn sneak through the crowd and into the ring. And you hear this big old pop from the crowd. Love some Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn circles Paul Heyman, demands a microphone, and he cuts a really good promo on Paul Heyman. And he directs several messages to Roman Reigns and the bloodline saying that the Usos, for example, are starting to see through 
Roman Reigns, that Jay's been MIA for the last few weeks. And if in the event, push comes to shove, who would Jimmy lean on more? Will it be his cousin or a guy he shared the room with since he was a baby? It would be Jay Uso. One day, perhaps, Solo Sokoa will think for himself and not do what Roman Reigns tells him to do. He will think for himself and he will become his own man. Once they think for themselves and realize that all of this is all about propping Roman Reigns, they'll leave him behind and then they'll know the truth about who he really is. And that'll be done when I take those championships from Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber next Saturday. He spooks Paul to drop the belts and Sammy's game to win the biggest match of his life. I thought this was really good stuff. We'll get into some more elements of the Bloodline segment later in the show, but I thought this was a really good way to kick off the show to keep also Sami Zayn front of mind after the solo work that Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman did on Monday Night Raw as WWE continues to tell two compelling stories at the same time with the Bloodline being attacked from two different guys who are trying to take Roman's titles, Jeremy. I, uh... I haven't seen this version of Sami Zayn in six years, but this is the next iteration of the underdog from the underground, if you really think about it. Uh, This guy was the NXT champion, and he lost the title to Owens, and he came to Raw, and he had a U.S. championship match with uh, John Cena, and then he got injured, and then everything kind of changed for him. And he got slotted into the lower mid-card, mid-card, and comedy heel, uh, joke segments, everything that you want to think about with, uh, you know, occasionally a, a feud when other people were injured that kind of got people interested. This feels different. This feels like we are at the next stage of Sami Zayn's character, and he is not going to be that level of comic relief that he is anymore. And... You know, he he was a fiery baby face in this. And you wanted to believe that he was going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. And maybe he's not going to do it the way that you think it is, you know, with winning the world title. Because it doesn't seem like he's going to be winning any world titles anytime soon. But there are other things that feel like are in the works. And uh, this is a Sami Zayn that I have not seen in a long time. I have missed. Loved the tone of Sammy's voice of how he was really serious about his business, which has not always been the case. He's been very jovial, happy, excited to be a part of the bloodline, but he left on his own free will, which is a greater story regarding the bloodline as we get into this episode of SmackDown. But Scott, your take on this segment, it kicked off the show involving Sammy Zayn, putting Paul Hammond and Roman Reigns on notice. Sammy Zayn felt like a top guy here. He felt like... He was right where he belonged in the main event. And Jeremy, you brought up a good point about, uh, you know, this being the first time we have this Sami Zayn in six years since he won the title in NXT. Uh, and that was capped off with a great story with uh, with uh, Adrian Neville at the time. It was the NXT champion. I I hope when we go to Montreal, I don't. I hope we get the old Sami Zayn music because that crowd – is going to sing Sammy to the ring. Like they don't have to play music. They will. They will literally. You know how they, they, when they were handing out the sheets for for Jericho and AEW, so they could know the words and sing his song. They ain't got to do that when they go to Montreal. They will sing that man to the ring and sing him the entire way. You'll have Olay chances the entire match. It's like 
the, the atmosphere is going to be incredible. And he, like you said, he, you believed what he was saying. This had a lot of Daniel Bryan vibes to it. And I mean that as in Daniel Bryan was talking the talk and he went in there and did what he said he was going to do. This had that same vibe to it. Um, even though we know he's not going to do it, it's like, well, then again, maybe he, maybe he, like, then again. So I loved it. Great segment. Good start to the show. I want the full Sami Zayn babyface experience. Am I not get the haircut? Maybe, perhaps. I don't know. But this guy is going to be tremendously over at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And I love this Sami Zayn. A top player came through with a great promo and kind of shook Paul Heyman, which was the ongoing theme throughout this night as Jimmy was trying to hit up Jay throughout this show on the phone. Where's Jay? Where's my brother? Paul's asking where your brother at. He's going to be here for this tag team match against Braun Strowman and Ricochet. And Jimmy doesn't know. So we get to the middle portion of the show. And it is supposed to be the Usos versus Ricochet and Braun Strowman for the undisputed WWE tag team titles, the SmackDown titles to be exact. And I have to give an MVP credit to to Samantha Irvin, by far the best ring announcer in the game today, because her inflection of announcing the participants in this match and saying Jimmy Uso by himself defending these titles (laughs) like it was so great her inflection (laughs) of how she said it was absolutely amazing and before the match officially got started you could see jay making his way down the stairs of the crowd and there's this big pop and the fans are elated to see jay and jimmy's and jimmy is excited to see his brother come through for him in the clutch and samantha once again is excited to make this announcement that they're here and they're defending the title so i thought she was great with the in-ring introductions and this match was really good down the stretch as jay provided another out for jimmy by saving him a couple of times from stroman and ricochet's offense and i gotta say ricochet and braun Strowman are a damn good tag team who knew twitter beef could turn into a fruitful partnership that can be a lot heading into the latter portions of this quarter heading into the heart of WrestleMania season. But I really enjoyed this match. The highlight was Ricochet setting on the shoulders of Braun Strowman for the Santon on Jimmy. And Jay makes a save at the last possible at the last possible moment. And Strowman is going for his running charge to Jay on the outside, but Jay sidesteps it and Strowman goes flying over the announce table and there's a blind tag as Ricochet goes for a top rope move and the knees are up by Jimmy and then Jay lands a splash on Ricochet to retain the tag team titles for his family. I love this match so, so very much. It was so good. The drama was high and I love the Usos so much. They just embraced, they loved each other and all is right in the bloodline. So we thought as we get to momentarily, but I want Jeremy's take on this match that kicked off the second hour of SmackDown on Friday night. I think this might have been the best uh, best thing I saw on WWE physicality wise in, in a in a ring. Uh, it was it was really 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 good. It was a shame the way that they had the uh, the show laid out that this match couldn't be the main event of the show uh, because it really was the main event of the show. No shade, uh, Mysterio, Cross, Escobar, and Moss that could not hold a candle to what these four men had done in the ring. The only thing that made me laugh in this match was um, when Ricochet got on uh, Bronx' shoulders 
I look at a power bomb or a senton or whatever it was, and he and he landed. Braun goes over to the corner and does the one, two, and then the other Uso pulls him out. And he just falls to the ground like, how could that have happened? And I'm just sitting there going, because you're a dipshit that didn't make sure that the pin was protected for your title. Uh, that was the only part of like, okay. And then I thought about him like, well... Braun and Ricochet aren't necessarily the experienced tag team that, or have the experience as a tag team that the Usos have. So that is a vulnerability in their game. And maybe they address that in the future, even if they're doing tags in the future. But if that was the biggest quibble that I had about this match, then I'm just going to, you know, take the L and sometimes it's necessary to just, you know, point out some things. Very fair of you. Yeah. We appreciate that. So Scott, your take on this tag team match involving the Usos and Ricochet and Braun Strowman, a surprisingly good tag team on SmackDown. I just want to go ahead and say this. Um, I know he's not everybody's favorite because he talks too much on Twitter, but Braun Strowman has been excellent since he's returned to WWE. I, I think he has filled his role perfectly. He is a, a great babyface monster right beneath that main event. And I, like, I, I think he's been great since he's returned. Like, I went to a house show. I took my son. And let me tell you, like, when he comes out, the whole the atmosphere changes. The crowd just, everyone is on their feet. Everyone is just up like, oh, my God, look at this man. And he had, I mean, he had a great match with Gunther. Great big man battle there. Um, and his tag, like you said, his tag, Keely, like you said, his tag team with Ricochet has been a lot of fun. And I really hope it's something they continue going on, especially if there are no plans for them as singles guys. This match was great. The finish was picture perfect with Ricochet hitting that shooting star press and then Jay coming off soon as Ricochet rolled over and hitting that frog splash. I mean, great match. Jay Uso and Jimmy. Just I, I I love the little thing of Jimmy Uso saying before he went out there, I ain't worried about it. My brother coming. I know my brother. He coming. I ain't even worried about it. That's that's because that's real right there, man. Like that's that feels real. That your twin would say that. You know what I'm saying? He would. Be, yeah. He, my brother not gonna leave me. That's my brother. So I I loved all. This was a great segment. I do wish it could have been in the main event. It deserved that main event spotlight, but they had more story to tell, and that's okay. They, you can always run this back because it was that good of a match. But Four tiers out of five. I respect it. I think that was some very generous tiers to make up for our tier scale for our Elimination Chamber 2014 review dropping later this week on the Patreon. <laughs> I had, I had plenty to use. I had plenty, plenty to use. Tears in the reserve because, you know, we, one, one match in particular got zero tears. And we can't wait for you guys to listen so. to that review of that throwback show of the Elimination Chamber 2014 when it drops later this week on the Patreon because there were some zeros, some half a, some half a tears, a lot of shade thrown during that show. But four tears out of five is very fair for this match. But I want to get to the highlight of the night for me. And it was Jay and Jimmy talking backstage. And Jimmy's like, are you back in? And Jay says, I don't know. And Paul Heyman's listening in on this shit. And you know, he's like, mm, some don't seem right here. Being lied to. Because the tribal chief's always watching. So we go to another backstage segment. And it's Jay outside. 
by the production truck and Sam and Zane rolls up and they have this really beautiful conversation about Sammy being appreciative of what Jay did by walking away from the bloodline. He said, I did it. So can you. And I just want to have your support when I go after your cousin and his championships next Saturday at the Elimination Chamber. Because I found a way out, Jay. And this is your way out, too. You just got to take that leap. Because Jay, and I thought he was going to say, I love you, man. But he says, Jay, I acknowledge you. And Jay was visibly emotional at this. And Sammy was like, hey, give me some pound, man. Give me the fist bump. And Jay's, we got to get away with all this, Sammy. We ain't got time for this. People are watching. Now, mind you, the cameras are on, y'all. Roman is going to see this shit. He already did most likely from home. But still, Jay gives dap to Sammy and they part ways. I love this bromance. And I have a feeling my heart's going to be broken by the time Elimination Chamber's over next Saturday if Jay can get across the Canadian border for this show because we know doom is coming. But also... I do think in the midst of this, there is a path to redemption for both guys. Because I think there is a reunion in our path for Jay and Sammy around WrestleMania time, preferably night two. We'll see about it. But Scott, your thoughts on this beautiful bromance between Jay and Sammy that won't last too much longer. But I do believe it will be revived very soon. Good continuation of the story. Um this was real good. You know, honestly, this could have this could have happened right after the main event. Like this, this could you could have done the main event and did this same segment right after. Like, and I, I don't even know if you necessarily needed the segment after this. With, with, or you know, so I, I don't know. I think you still could have flipped and had the main event where it deserved to be. Uh, I mean, the tag titles as the main event, and then run this after right as the show's going off the air. Nice little cliffhanger. Oh, how's Roman going to react to that? That would have been a nice little way to leave the show. Um, Kia, I'm glad you mentioned the cameras because I was also thinking, hmm, I guess Roman's not watching. His family's not watching. Nobody's watching the show. Paul Heyman, I'm sure. The way that dude was scowling around, he got to be watching the show in the back somewhere. You know he got a TV on somewhere. So it's like, come on, guys. What are we doing? But Realizing, hey, Jay, um, Roman will see this at some point if he's not watching it live from his man cave somewhere in Pensacola, <laughs> Florida. This is all going to end very, very tragically for the friendship of the uh, Jay Uso, Jamie Jane, Kevin Owens, and all that stuff. So, you know, at the end of the show, you know, Paul Heyman made it clear to Jimmy that he and Jay were to stay home and to have eyes on the on the show from the TV because, you know, that's a perspective that is needed. So eyebrow raise, whatnot. There are rumors out there about the availability of the use of at least one Uso able to make it to Canada. So that could be something. But, you know, if you have Sammy and Roman in a singles match, and, you know, it goes its natural progression and there are no Usos. And it is, you know, Kevin Owens that makes his return after the Royal Rumble in Canada to not save Sammy, but to stop the beating that Sammy gets much the same way that Sammy stopped the beating for Kevin. And we go that route. That feels like the next progression of all this. And Sammy walks to take down the bloodline. 
he gave he gave uh, Jay the the chance to get out before he did it. Now it's all going to be pain, pain for everybody. Although I will tell you, there was something funny about that segment. If you go back and watch it, Sammy comes from an angle, and then the camera turns to his shoulder, and you realize it's the uh, it's the truck cabs that are backed up against the wall. So Sammy is. Uh, has no way to get out from between the truck cabs. And so when Jay's like, oh, you better get out of here. He's like, yeah, I will. I'm getting out of here. And he's basically walking down through a dead end. <laughs> and I don't know if people really caught that <laughs> as, <laughs> as they're doing it. So he's going to have to crawl underneath the truck cabs to get away if he's going to continue down that path. Because uh, No, Sammy not magic, That was not a nice magic. catch, Jeremy. That would have made that segment better if Jay kind of cracked at the end of it. Like, are you going to get out of here, dude? But I love, I love them. <laughs> Doom is coming, but we cannot forget a key element here. We have not seen Kevin Owens since the Warrior Rumble. So we might get a happy Montreal ending with KO coming back to save Sammy. You never know. That could be another reunion if the Usos cannot get into this country and you can get into the country, I should say, in Canada, and they can do the beatdown maybe on US TV the following week. There's a way to do this to kind of give the people what they want, even though Sammy won't win the championship, but they will get that big hook between KO and Sammy eventually as well. There will be an absolute riot if Kevin Owens does not appear at the pay-per-view in Canada. Oh, he Solo is going to interfere. Kevin Owens is going to come out, take Solo out, probably stun Roman Reigns. Samuel hit a hell of a kick, and it's going to be the greatest near fall ever, and the crowd is going to be on their feet one, two, and when he kicks out, that place is going to be so deflated. I'm calling that spot right now. I don't know, man. I feel like you have to work the the Kevin Owens-Sammy Zayn reunion. You know, if you... If you have Owen stop the beating, but not like reunite, and then you have every wrong SmackDown through Mania to really rebuild that reunification, kind of the way they did with, uh, like you were saying, Rollins and uh, uh, Ambrose. Ambrose back in the day. Uh, that's how you're going to get people watching because people are are hooked on the Sami Zayn stuff. So you could play that out. Owen is a raw talent. Sammy's a SmackDown talent. You can just go back and forth, back and forth, and pump that rating over and over again. They are going to draw this out just like they've been drawing it out the whole time. Oh, I'm not saying they should reunite, but Kevin Owens could definitely go in there and still leave Roman with a stunner and just leave. And then you get Sammy hitting his hell of a kick for that near fall. I just, I don't see, I don't, I, I think to keep Sammy strong, you don't have Owens come out until after the match is over. Hmm. Okay. I think I think it undercuts Sammy if he needs help from Owens without asking for it when he says I'm going to take down. Like I fully expect Sammy to get his ass handed to him for at least ten minutes until you know Roman makes a mistake and then we have the whole deal. But I just it feels like this is going to be Sammy on his own until the match is over and then and then. The next step in the story, just like in every other match, it was the post match is, is what is happening next. I th- you're probably right. My only thing with that is Sammy just hasn't been presented as a winner. You know what I mean? Like by oh, him yeah. by himself, and so that's why I think you need something to. At, with, at, with Drew at the Clash, Drew is presented as a top guy. You know, somebody who could believably beat Roman. Sammy, I just feel like Sammy needs something to make people be like, all right, he's got a shot here. Yeah, it's the wish fulfillment factor. Yes. Like, right, Sammy's right. never been 
positioned in that. And so the 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 fan like support has elevated him to such a point. But there's never actually been incontrovertible evidence that Sami Zayn is is wrestling at like main event level. Right. Like we're all wish fulfilling what we want this to be. And that's part of like we have we have committed ourselves to the fantasy of what the story is. Very good points. I cannot imagine the show ending without a KO appearance. It must happen for the pop. Do I expect a full a full reunion? Not yet, but I don't want WWE to push it like they almost did with Ambrose and Rollins five years ago when they were like a week away from SummerSlam and finally they're reunited. I don't want them to miss the peak because the peak is so very important. You want to do it the you want to do it at the right time and you want that maximum pop. And Montreal is one of the places when these when these guys are gonna be universally beloved. You're going to get the biggest pop in that building. Do you dare do it there? I would, because you're not going to get a bigger pop than that. It's got to happen. It's got to happen in time for them to advertise Roman and the Usos versus Cody, Kevin, and Mm. Sammy in a six-man match. Yeah, that's true. That's going to happen. That, they need need time for their, to get their ducks in a row to advertise that match and have at least a little bit of time for that match to happen. Oh, do you dare even do that though? That's. Oh, you absolutely do that. Match. Yeah. I think that match happens too. I agree with that. I think that match mm. happens. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, yes, I 100%. And, but, but which show though? Like raw has been pulling Smackdown. the ratings. Would you do it on SmackDown you, you, or raw? You do it. You do it on SmackDown the week okay. before mania. And then you have the, the raw go home and the SmackDown. Go it, home. It's asking a lot to give away a lot. Before WrestleMania in that matchup, if if Sammy wasn't facing Roman, I would say that would be the 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 match. But we're getting that match, right? Right. You, you, uh, I'm not going to bet, but if I did, I, I I would bet on that on that possibility. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm with you on that. I think that match is happening too. <laughs> it's a very sexy matchup. <laughs> I I might I might hold it off into WrestleMania backlash. It's just, I, it's so big. You could still do it there. It's not impossible. I just think this match is way bigger with a lot of combustible elements that I wouldn't want to put on free TV before WrestleMania. I wouldn't want to do that. They do a lot of six-mans with the title after WrestleMania. They did it with uh, Triple H and the Legacy, too, and Orton won the title by, like, pinning Batista or something. Yeah. And Triple H was the champion. If, If you did that match, if you did Cody, Kevin, and Sammy versus the Bloodline, I'd have Sammy lose and just completely like put everybody's confidence shaken against the bloodline mm. going into Mania. We will see. I love the idea. It's definitely a risk. It's going to be a big ass rating, which I'm sure WWE is going to love. I would have it on SmackDown as well the week before WrestleMania and we'll see where it goes. I think that is a great idea. I would prefer it to be a WrestleMania backlash, but we'll see how it goes as we are really spicing things up heading into the heart of WrestleMania season. As we quickly get to the main event of Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, it was a fatal four-way match to determine Gunther's opponent for the Intercontinental Championship next Friday on SmackDown, one day before the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Why can't Gunther be on pay-per-view or PLEs? Come on. Come on now. 
give him a spot on the show, but I digress as it was Rey Mysterio versus Karrion Cross versus Matt Cat Moss versus Santos Escobar. And this match was very good. Love the work between Rey Mysterio and Escobar in particular. Karrion Cross was solid. Matt Cap had his moments as well. But let's cut right to the chase. Rey Mysterio had this match won. He was going for the 619 and Scarlet trips Rey Mysterio up. And then we have Karrion Cross deliver the smashing forearm to the back. Rey Mysterio's neck knocks him out. Santos laid out by Madcap Moss and his leads to Madcap going up top, landing an elbow drop on one Rey Mysterio to pick up the win on the Lucha Legend as he will earn a shot at Gunther's IC Championship next Friday on SmackDown. Now, you know that Madcap was the original Cheddar Biscuit getter last year around this time. And I like him a lot. I like the gear change. I still hate the name. I cannot take Madcap seriously with that name. Now, granted, this was a very surprising outcome to this match, but I have seen Madcap work against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, and he can deliver big hoss when need be. And I believe he will have quite possibly the match of his career against Gunther. Now, will the fans invest and care about Madcap as a babyface next week, which they haven't really done up until this point? I do not know. He would deliver a very strong match against Gunther. I just hope he opens some eyes for the people to see he is viable as a star in WWE, despite the name he's been given, Jeremy. We were talking uh, ahead of time about this match, and I was like, I saw this, and I was like, I bet Madcap wins this, and it turns out that he did. Rey Mysterio already had a match against Gunther, and it was a banger, and they're not going to go back to that again, because if they're going to go back to anybody anytime soon, it's probably going to be Sheamus. And so they don't want to start revisiting other people before they do that. Karrion Cross and Gunther kind of feels like a low-level dream match, and you know, doing it in a random Friday before a PLE doesn't seem like the smartest play, and of the four people, I feel like Santos Escobar kind of has the biggest upside of all four. And Cross and Escobar are both heels, and Gunther is a heel. So it just kind of led me to believe that, like, Madcap Moss is going to be fed to Gunther on a random Friday before a PLE a month before WrestleMania. And that sounds about right when you look at all four of these guys. Um, I think I think it's correct that it's going to be a very good match. I think Madcap Moss is motivated to perform well when given the opportunity, and it's unfortunate that he doesn't quite get the opportunity uh, as much as others. But there is a pecking order, a lot of new people that Triple H brought in, and a lot of plans that he wants to see in motion. And he put those plans in motion, and now it's time for to feed guys like Moss. And I ha- he has potential. I truly believe that he will be destroyed by Gunther. His chest will go through it. I'll pray for him, but he will endure. I just hope the people care. That's all I ask. But Scott, your take on something I warned you about <laughs> the day before, about Madcap pinning Rey Mysterio for reasons. Your thoughts on all of this as you continue to denigrate, according to you, the worst father of 2023. Ray Mysterio. 2022, but yeah, he's already won 2023 as well. Um, let's, uh, you know, anytime Ray Mysterio loses, it's a good day. Oh uh, it's a good day for all the fathers out there. Uh, it's a real good day for all the, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Let me be more specific. It's a real good day for all the good fathers out there. 
um, there's like a, a loud rejoice. You remember, you know, like when Tom Brady retires and everybody's like, yeah, all right. That's what it feels like every time Ray Mysterio loses. Um, and then it was madcap. And at first I was like, well, that was a choice. But then it's like, why not? Why not just like Gunther literally have somebody that he can just chop, chop, chop a nice white meat chest that he can turn nice and purple and have it looking like a King's Jersey, you know, like why, why not? I'm, I'm here for it. Why? And I will, you know, I appreciate Emma upgrading Madcap's gear. You know, he had some color to it and didn't just find the, the basic creator wrestler trunks. So I appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, this was a joke. Santos should have won. So you had to get your race shots in for all the fathers out there. I can respect that. I support Madcap, by the way. Despite what's going to happen to him next week, I'm going to pull for him. He'll have a good match against Gunther. I fully believe that. And with that, this wraps up a very interesting week in WWE. Front-loaded with Cody and Paul Heyman. And then we finish strong with the bloodline and more Sami Zayn and Jey Uso drama, which I love. But now it's time for us to pick the best damn television match that stood out on WWE TV this week. Jeremy, your pick across Raw SmackDown main event nxt or perhaps nxt level up who's your pick uh i'm gonna go with the uchos versus brico scott your pick for best damn television match of the week i will also second that to complete the voting the best match of this week goes to the usos versus bricochet for the smackdown tag team championships this past friday on smackdown really good action from both teams to wrap up a solid week in wwe for the most part and with that this puts a bow on this week's episode of the wrap right here on the fight game media network i want to thank i think my co-captain my right hand no longer scared scott young he's elated scott young right now after what happened and i have alongside us this week jeremy feinstone who witnessed a destruction of a friendship for a day well keela you know it's still going to be a pleasure for me chopping it up talking all things wwe with you going forward again i feel great pretty 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 good uh, Jeremy, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I look forward to the next time we get to chop it up. And I'm, I'm glad you were here to witness greatness unfold. Shout out you to know, The Miz. I'm, I'm glad that I got to be here. And um, if I could do anything before I go, I would recommend that you both sit down and watch the fence-mending mask-sharing video between two great individuals, Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio, as they really could teach you two both the skill of finding a middle ground. Oh, I found it. (laughs) (laughs) I I am living on the island of relevancy right now. I found that middle ground. It's right in between between the Bay and LA. Right in between those two towns. I tried. Go watch that YouTube video of, of the math sharing. <laughs> it is uh, good. Very good. Escobar and Ray. It really is. Uh, it's something that you don't normally see on WWE, uh, YouTube or anything like that. It was classy like stuff. It's, it's pretty I loved it. I saw it last night on social media and I was like, wow, this should have been on TV. That was a special moment. Mutual respect by Santos and Ray Mysterio, who is a good father, by the way. Dom just sucks as a son, despite Scott's <laughs> allegations on this air, accusations <laughs> on Ray's parenthood, false accusations. But I digress on all of that as I am in misery for the next day or so. 
as I am now a LeBron and begrudgingly a Ms. Stan. And I guess I have to take some notes from Scott on how I should move on social media for the next day or so. So pray for me on that. And I'll be back. We'll be back next Sunday morning, recapping what should be a very memorable Elimination Chamber pay-per-view going down live from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. So until then, enjoy the week that is to come in WWE for myself, for Jeremy, and for Perky Scott Young, I suppose. That's a wrap on all things WWE this week. Take care and bye-bye and pray for me as I root for The Miz for reasons unknown. Bye-bye.